Chapter Seven of the Story of John Wesley Told to Boys and Girls. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The Story of John Wesley Told to Boys and Girls by Marianne Curlew. Chapter Seven. Charlie goes to Oxford. Won't have his brother interfere with him. A change in Charlie. Somebody's prayers. Charlie's chums and how he treated them. Dividing time. Nickname. A nickname honored. Before I tell you any more about Mr. John, I am sure you would like to know how Charlie has been getting on all this long time. We left him, you remember, captain of the school at Westminster, where his eldest brother Samuel was a teacher. He was so clever and brave, and such a generous, loving-hearted boy, that he was a favorite with everybody. He stayed nine years at Westminster, and then, when he was eighteen, went to one of the colleges at Oxford. It was not the one Mr. John was at, but, being in the same town, the two brothers often saw each other. Charlie was not a Christian, and made companions of the worldly young students who spent their time in all sorts of wrongdoings. John was very sorry for this, and spoke to him about it. But Charlie became very angry at what he called his brother's interference, and said, Do you want me to become a saint all at once? However, while Mr. John was away at home those two years helping his father, Charlie changed very much. He became steadier and more thoughtful, and even wrote to his brother and asked for the advice he would not have before. I don't know exactly how or when I changed, he said in his letter, but it was soon after you went away. It is owing, I believe, to somebody's prayers, my mother's most likely, that I am come to think as I do. When boys and girls, or grown-up people, become Christians, those around them soon find it out. Charlie's giddy companions soon saw something was wrong with him. He used to be lazy and shirk his duties, spending his time with them in pleasure and amusement. Now he was diligent and worked hard. The next thing they noticed was that he went to church regularly and took the sacrament. And here I must tell you how he behaved towards these friends, and I know it will make you like Charlie more than ever. I told you before how loving and genial he was, and now he did not like at all to give up his old chums, and yet he knew that if he meant to travel heavenwards, he must have companions that were going the same way. He longed for his friends to become Christians, and talked to them so lovingly and so wisely that before very long he got two or three of them to join him in fighting against the evils of their nature and encouraging and seeking after everything that was good. You have all read in your English history how good King Alfred the Great divided his time. Well, Charles and his companions divided theirs in a similar way. So many hours were spent in study, so many in prayer, and so many in sleeping and eating. They made other strict rules for themselves, and lived so much by what we call method, that at last they got to be called Methodists. Boys and girls are very fond of giving nicknames to their companions. Sometimes it is done in fun, and then there is no harm in it. But often spite and ill-nature suggest the nickname. Then it is very wrong and unkind. Most of the young men at Oxford thought religion and goodness were only things to make fun of. So Charles and his friends were a butt for their ridicule. Because they read their Bibles a great deal, they called them Bible bigots and Bible moths, and their meetings they called the Holy Club. But Methodist was the name that fastened most firmly to them, and as you know, after all these years, 
This is the name we call ourselves by today. Just think, a nickname given to a few young men at Oxford more than 150 years ago is now held in honor by hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. End of chapter 7